Hi, this is Prophet Terry. Come experience the new you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies or mortal body so that you obey its evil desire. Now, the first thing that's obvious here, as it is a lot of times when Paul speaks, is this statement is not inclusive of you, it's exclusive of you. In that it says, do not let sin reign. In other words, the word is not saying your sin. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So you are different than your body. Right? So that you obey its evil desires. Meaning that sin has evil desires. Right? So we ourselves are excluded from it. Unless we indulge in it and give in to it. You know, uh, it's a question of who is our master. Is it the Lord or is it the sin that reigns in our mortal body? So he says, do not. That means that through Christ, sin does not have to reign in your body. Right? So you are excluded from sin once you choose to be excluded through Christ. You no longer have to sin. All right. And the next thing we want to look at is, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So we have the aspect of sin reigning in your body, but we also find a a two-part aspect there or twofold. One is sin and then it's evil desires. So it's sin exists and uh, later we're going to talk about what sin really is. But sin exists, but sin has an evil desire. Right? So we're really going to explore this morning sin, what sin is, and its evil desire. So we're talking about two different aspects, right? We're talking about sin and the evil desire or the taste of sin or the taste for sin. What we try to deal with mostly in our life is the taste for sin or the taste, the evil desires. That's what we try to deal with. And the reason we're not usually successful is because we don't realize that evil desires are coming from sin. So later we're going to discuss what sin really is. But first, we're going to look at the taste that comes from sin or sin's taste. Why do you have a taste for sin? Why do you have the taste to do what is not right? All right? Everybody with me? All right. So there's sin, but then there is the taste that comes from sin so that you do not obey In other words, sin says, I want, and you say, yes, master, I shall 
do what you ask of me. Hmm? And that's where most of us are, is when sin speaks, because we are its, its servant, and because sin reigns in our mortal body, when sin speaks, it has authority over our body. So, not only does it have authority in our mortal body, it has authority over that you that is not sin, and that you that don't have to be sinful. Or that you that actually belongs to God in that transition from the Lord being your master, and you transition to the Lord being your master from sin being your master. So we, we have the sin, which is not you. But then sin has this taste. And the reason we struggle so much with sin is because we never deal with sin. We deal with the taste of sin. We don't deal with the animal. We don't deal with sin itself. Our, our journey foremost is from the concept that, that uh, you know, the concept that we have sin and we make it all-inclusive. And even though evil desires is sin, sin is something separate from the evil desire. So sin exists. What we try to deal with is the evil desire, which we call sin. Technically, it is sin, but it's actually the taste of sin. So you're not dealing with sin. You're dealing with the evil desires of the thing that controls you. You're not dealing with the thing that controls you. You're dealing with the thing, the taste of the thing that controls you. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Let's get that part clear. In our, in our, in our struggles with sin, our thing is we are not really struggling. We're not really trying we're not really dealing with sin. What we're dealing with is the taste, and that's the error. If we could ever deal with sin and kill sin, if we was dead to sin and alive in Christ, then sin would have no taste. The, the sins, the desires that you desire to fulfill are coming from sin. But it is not sin. Because sin can have many desires and many satisfactions. So our struggle with sin is that we're dealing with the taste of it and not the root or the sin itself. Sound good, right? All right. First thing is, sin does not, well, let's, let's sin does not taste good. Or I, let's clarify. Evil desires do not taste good. Right? Do not taste good. Let's look at some simple things. Let's look at, at concepts of like uh, alcohol or beer. That does not taste good. What you do is you sear yourself so that it tastes good. When you first drunk it, it did not taste good. Yes, it, it did not taste good. When you first smoked, it did not taste good. When you first did drugs, it did not taste good. 
It did not taste good. Hmm? You had to give in to the taste, and that's why you have a taste for it. And sometimes alcohol, like alcoholism, the drunks don't want to drink. And the problem is that they're tired of drinking. They don't want to drink. The problem is not drinking. The problem is the sin because all they're dealing with is the evil desire. You're not dealing with the sin. If you deal with the sin, the evil desire is dead. Yes. It's it's dead. It's not the cheese that's aggravating you. It's the mouse. But we keep dealing with the evil desire. Now, look at this. Look at the stupidity of alcohol, beer, and smoking, and drugs. Look at the stupidity of it. Right? Alcohol blurs your vision. Hmm? It it, it makes you fuzzy. Same way with beer. Right? Drugs make you spaced out. Makes your heart race. If you had any of those symptoms without partaking of that, you would go to the doctor. Blurred vision? Staggering? Your heart racing? Huh? Feeling like a zombie? If, if you had any of those conditions... If you had any of those conditions, oh no, you're scared, you want to go to the doctor. So not only have you seared yourself into liking an evil desire that came from the sin that you're not even addressing, you have, you have trained yourself to like that, 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 that aspect And you've even talked yourself into, I like my race, heart racing. I like not being able to walk. <laughs> what stupid creatures we are. So let's see, if I got blurred visions, that's related to death. If I can't walk, I'm thinking there's something wrong with me. Huh? My heart racing, heart attack, something, stroke, something going on. Why is it we like it? Let the Lord give you a taste. Of any of those feelings. It's just like we take all kinds of things to purge ourselves, but diarrhea, we think something's wrong with us. What is wrong with us? And so at some point, 
all this foolishness in life, we try to get away from it and get rid of it, but we can't because we're dealing with the evil desire and not the sin itself. Well, let's take murder. Murder don't feel good. Why does those things, why have we come to a place where it tastes good? Why has it come to a place where it tastes good to be, to hate somebody? Or to get even? That don't taste good. First time out, that does not taste good. Adultery does not taste good. But somehow or another, because we are controlled by sin, sin tells us this is what I desire, and therefore it begins to taste good because sin is your master. All the things that we fear to go to hell for are things that we don't enjoy doing. Paul put it this way. He says, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I do. Therefore, it's not I who does it, but it's sin living in me. But we don't deal with the sin. We deal with the evil desires. And we never have victory. You can't have victory over evil desires when sin is your master. Now you're curious about what is sin. But let's dwell a little bit longer on the taste, on evil desires. These things don't taste good. Huh? Cursing does not taste good. But we try to tell ourselves it tastes good. Why? Because we want to please our Lord and our Master, which is sin. Giving somebody a piece of your mind when you don't have much left. Uh, uh, going off in public or going off in front of your families or going off in church. There's no way that tastes good. But you make it taste good because you love to please your master. And your master is sin. But who is sin? What is sin? Huh? All our struggles, all the foolish things that we feel guilty for, all the things we've done this, this past week and we've brought into the sanctuary, all the things we wish we had not done, and the fact that we wish we had not done says that we actually don't like the taste of evil desires. But somehow we're driven to eat that which we actually don't have a desire for. That is, in that in that person that we are that belongs to Christ, we don't like these tastes. 
And thank God if you still don't like the taste of evil desires, even if you go around eating and fulfilling a lot of evil desires, at least if you, 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 you don't want to do it, at least there's a sign that God might still win the battle within you and you haven't been given over to it completely. All the, all the wicked things that man does and all the wicked things that we do and all the things that we don't like about ourselves, why do we continue to do it? Because we're dealing with the desire and not with the sin. I learned something a long time ago with my family. And so, like, you know, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we'd all get together and eat. And obviously, you would eat too much. And it never failed. Anybody knows the, the unpleasantness of eating too much? And you wish you would not have eaten so much. And the reason you continue to eat too much is because of evil desires. And the reason you can't stop it is because you're not dealing with the sin. Now, the thing I realized about in these family outings or any other times, when I've eaten too much, and I feel that uncomfortableness, what stupidness dwells inside of me 10 minutes later I want to eat more as if though to comfort the fact that I overate. So I go to the outing, I overeat. It's uncomfortable. I'm not happy with myself because I overate. I take a little short break and I overeat again. And I dislike myself more. I take a little break, a little nap, and I go and eat some more. And I dislike myself more and more and more. And that's how we get to hell itself. Why do I eat more when everything in my understanding says I've already eaten too much? Why do I eat more to comfort myself from eating more? How can eating more comfort yourself from eating more? But that is what evil desire does. So you, you, you have evil desires. You, you partake of it. You taste of it. And you feel bad. And what do you do to satisfy it? You drink some more. You smoke some more. You do it more. You fornicate more. You do more. And we end up hating ourselves. We end up coming to church. We cry and we don't know what's going on in our life because we just, these evil desires, we want them out of our life. But the question is, do we want sin out of our life because the evil desires come from the sin? Doesn't that make sense why you've never overcome your evil desires? Or your, your evil ways, not only the, the things you desire, but your evil behavior. Hmm? 
that, that evil taste, you know, it, you know, it, it, it just, it tastes good to go off on somebody. Uh, it, it tastes good. But then when you see it on YouTube or Facebook, it don't look so good. But if you're not careful, you're going to do it some more, you know. And you fast and you pray and you go for deliverance for all your evil desires, but you never have victory over all your evil desires because you're dealing with the evil desire and not with the frog itself. You're dealing with the footsteps of evil, but not with the evil. We're not dealing with sin. We're battling with the evil desires. And we're deceived into thinking, if I get rid of this evil desire, then I will be godly. No, if you could, and it's almost impossible, but if you do manage to get rid of one evil desire, it will be replaced with another one because you're dealing with the evil desires, you're not dealing with the sin. And sin has a smorgasbord of taste. So sin in your mortal body, it begins to develop particular taste in your body or evil desires within your body. And so you think, okay, if I get rid of this one evil desire, or if I deal with my anger, or if I deal with my fornication, or if I deal with my, my sexual lust, then I am going to be sinless. No, that's only the desire of sin. You, you have not touched sin yet. You're only fooling with the desire of sin. You're nowhere close to sin itself because we have been deceived and whitewashed to a place that we do not understand what sin is. All we see is desire. We say the manifestation of sin in our life, but we don't see the hidden sin. We don't see the actuality of sin itself. And most of us in our life, we succumb to one or two tastes, whether it's anger or whatever it is, pity, whatever it is that we give into in life. We, we succumb to one or two tastes of sin, and we never get rid of that in our life, in all of our church life, we never get rid of it because we're not dealing with sin. And we never get rid of it. That's most of us. And we die with that sin. Now, I'm not saying you can't be saved. I'm just saying you're dying with it. Now, some of us, we can manage. Okay, okay, okay. Some of us have a little bit more scruples, maybe a little bit more nobleness about us. And so we stop an evil desire to, but you ever realize when you stop an evil desire to, it goes to something else? You stop watching Facebook, you go to YouTube. You fast from your gadgets, you start watching TV. And you know you're bad when you start reading magazines again.
All we're fighting with is evil desires. The Bible says in your struggle against sin, you have not yet struggled to the point of shedding your blood or shedding your life. See, sin is something different than evil desires. Sin is something different than just doing wrong, which I hope by now you realize, you know what? Maybe I actually don't like the taste of evil desires. If anybody's struggling with, with alcoholism or, or drinking too much, do you remember when you first started drinking, you didn't like it? Something liked it. Maybe a pride or, you know, maybe you just wanted to look bad or be bad. It's kind of a sign right there, you know, when you want to look bad or be bad, be cool. That's kind of a sign right there that, uh, you know, you want to look bad? Hello. Like, you want to look like the devil? You know, it's, it's kind of right there saying that sin is now your master. But if you think back, you don't really like that taste. And, and some, of, some of us, we, we might drink sociably. Why you drink sociably and not all the time? Because you don't like the taste. And you don't like that feeling that typically you would go to the doctor for. But by the time you start drinking and smoking by yourself, then you know that, that, that the desire of evil is on its last leg. Because now that evil desire has consumed you. And so now you will get drunk to comfort getting drunk. Hmm? Hmm? Yes? Ladies, you go out one night, you dance on the table because you're drunk. What are you going to do the next night? You're going to drink some more. Why? To comfort yourself from what you did the night before. And the night before, and the night before, and the night before, and the night before. Huh? That first beer did not taste good. There's, there's nothing pleasing in that taste. That first beer did not taste good. But it fed something. It made your master, which is sin, it made it happy. So you drink to cover up. You drink to cover up. The reason alcohol can't get set free is because they're not dealing with the sin. So they drink, they feel bad, and they drink so not to feel bad. And some of you drinkers in the house know what I'm talking about. You wake up with a hangover, the hair of the dog that bit you, right? Huh? Did I get any amens in the house? Huh? What's the best thing for a hangover? Hello, don't act like don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. It ain't been so long, sister. It's in there. Huh? The devil got a good memory.
Because if you're praising your master, the Lord Jesus, if you're praising him, what makes you feel better? To praise him more. But if your master is sin, you just keep doing it to cancel out what you did prior. So you really don't like the taste of it. You really don't like the taste of it. You, you really don't like drugs because if, if, the, if the Lord allowed you to be spaced out and can't think, Without it, no, you'd be calling for the elders in the house to pray for you. Sin has gotten you believing that it is good to stagger. Sin has got you believing it's good not to be able to drive. It's good to see three of everything. It's good for your heart to be racing. You got a big smile on your face. Sin has convinced you that death tastes good. That anger tastes good. You're a bad person. Don't nobody fool with you. You're a bad person. Don't nobody fool with you. You're a big woman. You don't, you don't let nobody run over you. You don't let no man run over you. Huh? And you got your miniskirt on, fighting in KFC. And you know you're whooped by sin when you actually like it. It does not taste good to steal. But your master has convinced you that you're clever. You have a talent. It does not taste good to cheat. But your master has you convinced that you have skills. Then you get caught. Evidently, your master's not that good. And when you say something to your master, the master says, it's your fault, Judas. <laughs> and so we continue our church life trying to walk forward or in backslidden stages but we're not getting any better because we're dealing with evil desires and not sin, which has many desires. And because your sin desires these things and somebody else's sin desires those things, it don't make you better. Both are still sinners. They come on to And I want to emphasize this aspect of the taste of evil desires 
are sin's taste. Why does it taste good when it does not taste good? Why does it taste good when it does not taste good? Hmm? Why do fish eggs taste good when we call it caviar? Now, Trinidadians, I've been here... 24 years. Why you eat that hot, hot, hot pepper? Because you know if your throat was burning and you was gasping for breath and you was burning inside as if the hell itself was inside of you, you know you would run to the doctor. <laughs> Just something to think about. I understand one time, but two times? And those of you that's trying to lose weight, you're dealing with the evil desire. You're not dealing with the sin that has a taste for overeating. You're not dealing with the sin. You're just dealing with the evil desire. And those of you who, whose minds are kind of fuzzy, you know, naturally... Or, 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 you, or you, this fear of death and anxieties of life. See, you're trying to deal with the desires and the consequences of partaking of the desires, but you're not dealing with the sin. All right. So now let's talk about what sin is. What is sin? Sin is something that lives within us. And it has desires. And its desires can change. Yes. Can change. What is there about smoking a cigarette or cigar or pot? You know that never tasted good. If you was in a house on fire breathing smoke, Now, we, we could talk just for a second because of the, 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 the nicotine that's in it or because of the, uh, the chemicals that's in some things. But again, all those chemicals would send you to the doctor if you wasn't conscious of what you was doing. What is sin? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Yes? The wages of sin is death.
James said that when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Yes, you never see a goat giving birth to a dog. A goat gives birth to goat. So if sin gives birth to death, then sin is death. Just in a smaller dose. In fact, it says when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Right? And so the wages of sin is death, but sin is death. Because only death could give birth to death. So first and foremost, the thing we need to deal with inside of us is not the evil desires, but the sin that's within us, which in its natural state is death. James would go further and say that by your own evil desires, meaning sin in you, you're dragged away and enticed. And when you have conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, in that case, the sin is talking about is the actual fact of doing it. So while you are delighting or pretend to delight yourself in evil taste and evil desires, sin is there. But we realize that sin in itself is death. Everybody with me? So from the beginning, it is death. Okay, what is death? First thing, death is murder. Death is hate. Death is anger. And therefore, sin is anger. Because anger destroys. Never get in a vehicle when somebody's angry. Because that has destruction and death all over it. Jesus says if you call somebody a fool, you know, you're endangered. Right? If you hate your brother, you have murdered him. So sin is anger that is living inside of you. It's not full grown. So it's anger living inside of you. And anger is death. Because when you're angry, you destroy, you kill, you tear up something, you break something. 99% of the time, whenever anything is broken around you, it's because there's some anger around you. You're angry at something, somebody's angry at something. 100% of the time, when you see blood, there is anger. So sin is anger. Or in its mildest form, I'm upset. <laughs> or in a milder form, because what does anger want? Anger screams justice. I have been done unfairly. So, Anger is an offense that you have taken. Somebody did you wrong. Someone, God, the heavens, the gods, whoever, somebody did you wrong. 
And that becomes that offense inside of you. And that's why you feel like that, that you're owed some sense of restitution. So sin is anger. It is an offense inside of you. It is a cry that you want some kind of justice or you want to get even with somebody. Go back to the garden, Adam and Eve. At first, they cool with not eating from the tree. But then they begin to think. They begin to get offended. They begin to get angry with God. Why is God not allowing us to eat of this tree? Satan says, because you'll be like God. So they got offended with God. They got angry with God, and they decided to eat to get even with God. So sin is an offense that is crying for justice. It's another form of anger. It's all the same thing. That's what you're not dealing with. So this anger inside of you, this offendedness about not being justified in life, this offendedness about not getting what you want in life, has now developed a taste, and it's an evil desire, and it wants to do something to get back at somebody. If nothing else, just to do the opposite of what makes sense, to choose death over life. To choose what would smoke away your wisdom over what would give you wisdom. And I don't care how much they, they, they justify pot. It takes away brain cells. Yes, 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 yes. And it's a shame that you have to have brain cells taken away before you become a nice person. Or before you feel good. No, what is trying to feel good? It's the anger. It's the injustice in you. Not getting what you wanted in life. Don't know why somebody else got something and you don't have it. Don't know why, you know, your life is not better. That is the sin. And that's why we never get to sin. We just deal with evil desires because we don't realize the restitution inside. What do I do to comfort myself when I overeat? I eat some more. So these evil desires develop out of this, either to get even with someone else, and maybe we'll talk about that next service, to get even with somebody else, to get the best of somebody else, to take what is ours, or just, or just to, to, you know, say, I don't care. It's to numb the anger inside of you. And the reason you taught yourself to like alcohol and the reason you taught yourself to like drugs and the reason you taught yourself to like sexuality so much and fornication so much, the reason you taught yourself is because your master, which is sin, your master, which is your own anger and injustice in life that God has not treated you like, your master wants you to do that to be in spite of God and rebellious to God and to everyone else. And young people that, that drift off into, into all these indulgences and things, they don't realize they're, they're angry because they don't get their way. 
They're angry because they can't control their parents. They're angry. It's the anger that developed the evil desire. And then when the evil and dire desire embarrasses you, shames you, starts to take your life, starts to do you physically harm, you, you can't get rid of it because you're not dealing with your sin. Your sin is not that you're alcoholic. Your sin is you're a God-hater. Your sin is you're rebellious towards God. Your sin is you don't like your life. Your sin is you didn't get what you wanted. Your sin is you tried to play cricket and you were terrible at it, but you blamed God for it, and now you're an alcoholic. You're a fornicator because you married the wrong person the first time. You're a fornicator because God don't give you the person you want. So out of that evil taste, now you try to tear up as many marriages as you can tear up. And you convince yourself that it feels good, but it don't feel good because you keep doing it. You know it don't taste good. But your master says, I love it when you do it. Your master says, I'm proud of you. You have three women and you walking around like you Donald Trump. You're intoxicated in yourself because as you please and you satisfy those evil desires, what does the Bible say? Make every effort to please God. But who is your God? Is sin your God? So you're doing these things to please sin. You're doing these things, oh yes, to please Satan, but you don't realize that Satan is sin within you. You're doing these things to please your sin. You're doing these things to please your anger. And then you don't know, God, I don't know why I'm like this. I don't know why you've made me like this. I did not make you like that. Your anger made you like that. Your dissatisfaction with life made you like that. I did not make you like that. I did not make you so you couldn't tell the head from the tail. I didn't make you like that. But I'm the one that's come to rescue you. But you want me to take away your evil desire but you won't let me take away your anger, your dissatisfaction, your offense. Your offense, huh? And it starts when you're small. You didn't get a bottle when you wanted it. So it started this long streak of rebellion. Uh, you couldn't take no. Whether it was good for you or not. You want me to take away your evil desires, but I can't take them away unless you give me your sin. And what is your sin? You don't like me? You're not happy with me? Oh, yes, you come to church, you jump up and down, and you praise me? Quite frankly, Satan has better worshipers in his temple than I do in my temple. 
And you want me to take away your evil desires? Why? Because your evil desires are getting the best of you. Well, Paul, part of death, didn't you know you was partaking of in the very beginning? When you first took that drink, when you first took that smoke, what part of that? And when the doctors themselves said smoking was good for you. Huh? It calms you down. If you had Jesus, you wouldn't have to be calmed down. He's peace. Why you got to be calmed down? Why you got to take a little drink for your nerves? If you had Jesus, you wouldn't have no nerve problem. No, you have anger issues. All the way from the cradle. Uh, you've been mad ever since the doctor popped your bottom. Am I making sense this morning? Because if you ever manage to stop any of your indulgences or your evil, yes, quite frankly, I like old drunks. They don't get in your way as much as quarrelsome people. Hmm? So if I did not give a blank, 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 I'd rather you be a drunk than a quarrelsome person. You want to come into church and sleep on the back row? Go ahead. But you want to sit up front and give me evil eyes at everything I say? Huh? Huh? Just because somebody ran off your man because you so mean to him that it was easy for him to run off? You going to blame me for that? I ain't have nothing to do with that. Not to mention the fact he was not your man to start with. He was not your boyfriend to start with. But no, I get to blame for it. And now you want me to take away your arthritis. And you want me to take away your appendicitis. And you want me to take away this. And you want me to take away this. But you won't give me your sin. You won't give me your anger. You won't give me your offense. You know you're not happy about where your life is. You, you know you're not happy about your failures. And repeat, they're your failures, not God's failures. It's your bad decisions. It's not God's bad decisions. Now, if you are wise, you have seen sin in your evil desires. If you are wise, you have seen your master talking in your evil desires. Your master is your own anger and your own offenses. And the more you, you ponder on that anger, is the more that anger grows. And the more evil desires you fulfill, the more that anger grows. The Bible says you are storing up wrath from the day of judgment. You know what's going to burn you at judgment day? It's going to be your own anger that you've had with you all your life. Sin and death and hell are all horses. 
reaping the same reward. It's the dissatisfaction. That's why these evil desires are alive. If you deal with that, and accept the fact that God is loving and he loves you and he's made many promises for you but you have not waited on his promises you thought they took too long and you got offended by him what we call backsliders which a lot of times I think they're more front sliders than backsliders but maybe backsliders in that they go back to what they went to why do we have so many backsliders because they thought if they come to God he would take away their evil desires and they would get the things that they want in life and they would get it quick, but it's just another way of controlling God. Too many controlling people are in the house of God. And we use religion as a means of control because we think if we do these things, then God will do what we ask and God will do what we ask for us and against you. And then when we realize, give me your sin. Give me your frustrations. Give me your aggravations. Give me your disappointments. That's your sin. The anger. The offenses. The anger and the offenses. My mama and daddy wasn't good to me. Well, that's on them, but I saved you, didn't I? Even though you're acting just like them right now. <laughs> Let me repeat that. <laughs> Your mama and daddy was evil. But I saved you. Even though you're acting just like them right now. They wouldn't give me their anger. And you won't give me your anger. You won't give me your offenses. Once you have the love of God, and you can't have the love of God and hate. The Bible says if you hate your brother, the love of God is not in you. You can't have that. But once you have the love of God inside of you, once you have that love of God inside of you, you have a peace of God. And this is the thing that, that I pondered to understand long before. I wanted to know how the blood of Jesus actually worked. I wanted to know how Jesus coming into my life actually not only took away the guilt, but took away the evil desires. Now, I know God is God, and he works in ways we don't understand. And the Holy Spirit is like the wind. We don't see where it comes from or where it's going. I understand that, but I still, I still desired to understand how is it I had these evil desires so much of my life and I get serious with Jesus or Jesus comes into my heart and the evil desires are gone. Gone. How's that possible? Okay, I can believe in invisible blood. How's that possible? How's it possible? Because when I let him in, I wasn't holding nothing else against him. When I let him in, the old-fashioned word of repentance this is what it means. When I let him in, 
I accepted the fact I messed my life up. I accepted the fact I was made from heathen blood. I accept the fact it was on me. I accept the fact because in that place I, I begin to realize even though I was such a heathen, God was always there with me. Somehow or another, he was always protecting me in the midst while I'm angry with him, while I'm upset with him, while I'm frustrated with life. And God is life. While I'm frustrated with it, when I gave it up, when I let him come in, I realized all the evil desires was gone. And why they're gone? Because I no longer have anger. I no longer have issues. I no longer have problems. I no longer have a lust to be first or to be quick. I no longer have a lust to be something special. What is the great drive to be special? What's the great drive to be somebody? That's not an evil desire by itself. It comes from your anger. In your anger, you're disappointed with yourself. You messed up. You did some stupidness. And now because you did some stupidness, you have this excessive desire to be special. You have this excessive desire to have a better car than everybody else. To have a better house than everybody else. To have a better husband than everybody else. And that's what makes it an evil desire. It's not that, that God can't give you things. What makes it an evil desire is you're trying to get even with God and say, God, I don't need you. I can do it all by myself. I will prove to you that I am a good child. But all you had to do over here was just accept the fact that you're upset. You don't like the outcome of your life. Get over it. But if that upsetness continues to be master of your life, more bad weather. If the disappointments, disappointments continue to be the master of your life, God is good, but your disappointment says not to me. Forget the evil desires. I don't care how much pot you smoke. I don't care how many beers you drink. I don't care who you sleep with. Because none of that means nothing. What is the issue is the sin that desires it. Because if you didn't have sin in your life, you would not like it. In fact, these are the things that makes you feel so nasty and terrible in your life. And what do you do when you feel nasty and terrible about the decisions that you made that grandma told you not to do? What makes you feel so terrible and nasty? Now you, you're feeling all this condemnation, so what do you do? You indulge more. No wonder we want to taste death. No wonder why we want to walk staggered and not be able to think straight. No wonder why we like feeling fuzzy. Because we don't want to look at the real issue. And everything hidden shall be brought out. So in the latter part of your life, and sometimes we didn't wait to get old, in the parts of our life, that nastiness. And it's not just the nastiness of your sin that's destroying you. 
It's your continuation of it. The Bible says there's a sin that leads to death. What is the sin that leads to death? The one you won't let go of. No sin leads to death unless you keep doing it. That's the sin that leads to death. But if we just get rid of the hate that we have towards ourselves, towards ourselves, the blame towards somebody else, it don't matter what your mom and daddy did. It don't matter what your brother did. It don't matter what your friends did. You didn't have to do it. And you didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it. I, you didn't want to do it. And no virgin has ever said that sex feels good outside of marriage. Not many inside marriage. No virgin has never said it feels good. And no man has truly ever understood it. It's sin. Because you think you're doing something to get some kind of restitution. Huh? Some sort of restitution. Huh? You know, we, we, we want to deal with homosexuality. We want to deal with lesbians and we want to deal with, uh, you know, gays and we want to deal with the, the, the crisscross. It's not that. That's not the problem. The problem is the sin in you, the anger in you, that, 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 that thing that is unsatisfied with life and you just want to do something in retaliation. You want to do something because God didn't do you good. You, 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 oh my God. you want to kill your brother, Cain, because, you know, God said, I like your gift, Abel. And the church, we've become big, big on, on the, the, the consequences and big on the evil desires. And granted, we need to identify them, but that's not the real problem. The real problem is this individual has no love, and the love inside of them is dying daily. And wrath inside of them, which is the wrath of God, though God didn't give it to you, but all things are His. The real issue is you are dying daily. Your disappointments are growing. They're getting worse. Your quarreling is getting worse. You pride yourself on not being like your mama and daddy. But every day, you hear them talking inside of you. Because your master is calling. Isn't that strange that sin could be your master? But love could be your master. Godliness could be your master. And so you'd live for that and you wouldn't live to please sin. See, we, we you know, we, we put some horns on our anger. We put a hairy tail on our anger and we call it the devil. And we say it's not ours. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're just like your father, the devil. 
You're made in his image and his likeness. He was a murderer. Murderer. He was a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was angry. He was angry. He was angry from the beginning. What made you rebellious as a child? What made you do the things you did? This, you stole, you did all these things behind your parents' back. You, you didn't have no upfront conversation with them. And maybe they should have disciplined you a little bit better, but all they knew was to smack you across the room. But the real problem was not your mama and daddy. The real problem was the way you was feeling inside. That's what made you rebellious. Life is not fair. Somebody got a better daddy. Somebody got a better mama. Somebody got more toys. Huh? That's the real problem. Our unsatisfaction. That's your red pitchfork. Pointed horns. Not saying he ain't real. That's the problem. It's not the evil desires. Quit looking at the stupidness you're doing. It's okay to say, no, I shouldn't have done that. It's okay to do that. But don't look at the stupidness that you're doing. Looking at what made you do it. And how many of us know to say, the devil made me do it. But today you know what the devil is. It's your sin. It's your anger. It's your offenses with life. Huh? And granted, you may have gone through some things in life. But there's always a million more that went through something worse than you. But we all make the same mistakes. Even from small, we don't turn to God. Oh, yes, when you're three or four, you pray to God. Why? Because your parents pat you on the back and say, Oh, my child is so loving, they pray. If your child was so loving and praying so much, how'd they turn out to be a little monster? Huh? And truthfully, some of us wouldn't know our children if we really saw them. And you know why we don't see them? Because we don't want to see where they got it from. When you admit that your child is deceiving and manipulative and controlling, when you see a child like that, you say, not my child. Because to admit that that's your child, you'd have to give some paramication of where it come from. And that you do not want to see. <laughs> so it's not the evil desires you got to deal with. Because even if you manage to conquer one of those evil desires, first of all, it just stays dormant. Even if you manage to conquer one of those evil desires, you'll just trade it off for another one. It'll just manifest somewhere else. Huh? So all those things that you don't like about yourself that don't taste good, and it only tastes good to your sinful nature, it only tastes good to your sin and your anger and your dissatisfaction with life. Huh? That's what you got to deal with. 
what you got to deal with. Deal with the ugly. Don't deal with the outcome of your ugly. Deal with the ugly. And see, that's, that's what happened when... I realize that's what happened when Christ come into me. Am I saying I'm perfect? No, not by, by, by no means. But I'm just saying when he come into me, I just shocked that these evil desires gone. And then I was shocked when they tried to come back one day. I said, where you been? But then I was shocked again when I realized I'm not as satisfied with Jesus as I used to be. I'm not as patient with God as I used to be. It's a time when anything God gave me, I was thankful for. But now, you know, now it's got to be over 10,000 for him to get a wow out of me. So I realize when I become dissatisfied or offended by God's actions on the earth, and supposedly giving things to heathens that he's not giving to me. So I became offended because I judged him. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil all over again, of right and wrong. I judge God. And I realize when I get dissatisfied with my life, and I get dissatisfied with the timing of things, and, and I wonder where my blessing is, I realize these old friends come back. And for some of you, I'm talking Literally. These old friends come back. Huh? These old lust mates come back. But when I run back to Jesus, that old-fashioned word, repent. Lord, it's on me. When you see them evil desires and them evil, evil manners and behaviors increasing over there, it's good that you see that. But that's a sign of something ugly inside of you. Deal with the ugly in here. Deal with the disappointments. Deal with the fact that you don't know why your life is the way it is. Deal with the fact you don't know why you can't find a good relationship. Huh? But after you've tried five or six or seven, there's a good possibility that the problem is inside of you. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe they're not the problem. Or maybe it is your sin just don't want a good man. Oh, oh, oh. And you know some of you godly little Christian virgins, you don't like church boys. And some of you priestly like gentlemen. You know you don't like good girls. Because good girls are not good to you. Or they're not good to your sin, I should say. And if you're a preacher of the gospel... Quit dealing with the bush and deal with the roots. So the bottom line is, 
Why is it we like the taste of evil desires? When we don't like the taste, it don't taste good, but we like the taste of it. I'm just using alcohol and drugs and stuff like that just because we can relate a little bit more to it. But violence, murder, quarreling, why do we like to do that? When we don't like it. And when we have some aspect of Christ, we don't like being partakers of that. We don't like getting angry. We don't, we don't like the sexual lust. We don't like having the sexual thoughts. We don't like having the adulterous thoughts. We don't like having that. But your sin likes it. So why we keep partaking of something that we don't like? What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I do. Therefore, it's not I who does it, but it's sin living in me. So why do I keep tasting this thing? Why does it feel good? I mean, it don't taste good, but it tastes good. Why do I find myself in that stupid place? Why do I find myself in a place where I don't want to be? You're so angry. You're angry for three or four days. You're quarreling for three or four days. You don't like that about yourself. But yet you cannot resist another taste. Another mouthful of quarreling. Huh? You've been quarreling a half an hour. Everybody knows what you're upset with. So why you keep feeding yourself for two days? Because that's what sin likes. That's the taste that sin likes. Your anger likes it. It feels good to vent on somebody else and not on yourself. See, we go through these things. Sometimes we beat on ourselves. Eventually, it'll just come all back on us. And we'll burst into flames but we don't feel good, so we put it on somebody else. We, we just continue to do it because somehow or another, if we keep doing it, somehow or another, it makes our anger feel good. Isn't it amazing you don't like anger, anger, but you keep doing it? Why don't you shut up if you don't like it? <laughs> As if you could really stop it. Huh. Your injustice in life, your, your offense... That's what likes that taste. Huh? This anger, which is death. Huh? By your own evil desires, you're dragged away, enticed. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Hmm? So it's your own death. When you're angry, you're chewing on death. When you take offense, huh? when you say, why the sun's so hot? <laughs> but if I sent you to Alaska, you wouldn't like it either. In fact, I don't know that there's a place where you would even like the sun. You would always find fault with it. Uh, see, it's the death because anger is death. Offense is death. To be upset with God is entertaining death. And what does death want? 
more of it. Huh? And it gets you to a place where you don't care. I'm going to do it even if I die. I don't care what God says. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. I don't care who knows. Because you get so intoxicated with satisfying your myth, satisfying your master. Which is sin, which is death. Which is the things you're unhappy with in life. Lord, it's on me. It's on me. I might have been born in poverty, but I chose to protest. My parents may have been wicked, but I chose their ways. My parents were broke, ugly, stupid, everything. But I'm the one that took up their case and said, I don't deserve it. You're their offspring. You deserved it. But he's the savior of the world. So he can redeem you. He can turn your life around. He can take what's on the bottom and put it on the top. But first, you've got to let him in. Because see, when he comes in, when love comes in, hate got to go. Love and hate can't dwell in the same vessel. You let God's love come in. Not that you should forgive God because God ain't done nothing. So I don't want to really say when you forgive God for your miserable life. Because God didn't give you your miserable life. God was there in the doctor's office, in the hospital, wanting to change your life. But you chose your parents over him. So, but you got to let it go. You got to say, no, 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 no. No, it's me. It's me. Yes, there's some sinners in the world just like me, but it's me too. Uh, I ain't no better sinner than they are. It's on me, God. When you let that love come into your heart and you just let everything go, all the disappointments in life, huh? Yes. Hmm? You're supposed to have a mom and daddy that loved each other, huh? And that embarrassed you with their affection. But you didn't get that. Huh? You got a single parent. You got a grandma who embarrassed you with her lewdness. But God was there all along saying, come to me. Let it go this morning. And your evil desires will vanish. Quit holding a clock to God. When God holds the clock, He can stop the clock long enough to let you in. Let that love come in. Let it rain in your heart. Let it rain in your mortal body. Yes, I see your sin. I see your disappointment. But I'm not coming outside to play with you today. Uh, uh, 
I see your disappointment. I see your bad luck. I see your bad charm. I I see that. I see you. But I'm not playing with you today. I'm through with you. You see, there's a barrier between me and you today. And that barrier's name is love. And that barrier's name is Jesus. I see your disappointment. Telling me, telling me how old you are as if though I got all Alzheimer's. Hmm? I see you telling me how old you are. You got Alzheimer's. I see you pointing at your clock. Hmm? I see it all. But if you'd come to me, you'd have love. And you wouldn't be holding things against me. And you realize I've had your life in my hands from the beginning. Huh? I struggle sometimes to tell people when I got saved. I can tell you when I got church saved. But I struggle to tell you when I got saved. What I mean by that is I can't say that God saved me when I got church saved. When I look back and I see the evidence of him being with me. When I was the worst of worst. The bad of bad. The way I usually put it is I was saved but I didn't know it. I saw the evidence for him. I knew him. But then there's a time when he opened my eyes more. Ah. And the truth is, we've all dabbled in sin. And like Adam and Eve, our eyes was open and we saw the ugliness and we didn't like what we saw. Hmm? We didn't like the landslides and the pits and all those things about ourselves. So we developed these evil desires to cover it up. Hmm? Let that love come in this morning. No evil has overcome you except what is common to man. Huh? Let your grudges against God go. Huh? Huh? It's not God's fault you're not married. Huh? That's not his fault. Heathens get married every day of the week. That's not God's fault. That's something in your department. But if you trust the Lord, and if that's what you really want, it's okay to have desires, but don't be evil desires. And if you have desires, they're in God's hands and not in your hands. And if you have godly desires, they're in God's hands. It says no time limit. Whenever you see fit, God. And if it's in God's hands, it says, Lord, if this is not your will, then you feel free to eradicate it. Just get rid of it. But take it away from me. When God gets rid of that, it'll, it'll automatically come out of you. Because when his love comes into you, evil desires flee. Huh? Yes? When you hold on to Jesus' love, you don't feel to smoke or do any of those things. Smoke all you want. 
I like a good smoke. You know why I like a good smoke? I can tell who don't have the love of God yet. Huh? When love is inside of you, you don't need no smoke. What's that smoke do to you? Huh? You're just breathing in smoke? What's that do to you? Huh? You, you need some kind of drug to make you feel good? Huh? What's, it, what's it? Numb something inside of you? Huh? Rot your teeth out, all that? Your gums. But you smoke, you, you fornicate all you want to do because that's not the real problem. That's, that's the evidence that the Lord Jesus is not your master yet. Because when he becomes to be your master, you don't have that desire. And I understand that sin is kind of tricky sometimes. I understand you can come to church and you feel good and you think you're bulletproof. But I think it's the feeling, I think it's when sin comes up and starts to think it's bulletproof that's the problem. <laughs> Once you, when, you, when you quit saying you're bulletproof and you say, Jesus saved me from a bullet, your theology is better. Come, Nicole, please. I pray that this message makes sense today. And I pray that the devil and your anger don't steal it from you. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes you hear a good word and before you get out of church, something upsets you. Because your sin don't want to go. You just got to just, just, just keep telling yourself. It's just in the Spirit of God, you got to just keep telling yourself, God loves me. He knows how old I am. He knows everything about me. He knows what's good for me. And you just keep confessing that faith. And your life changes. And evil desires. And even evil people begin to flee from your life. Take this message. Ponder on it. Uh, I'm not saying it would be super easy. Because we all like to try to justify ourselves. Just realize what's causing all your pain. Our dissatisfaction with our life. Huh? Yes. We overweight. Listen, I'd much rather you can get you can get into heaven overweight. But but don't think but don't think you got something up on the on the dope smoker if you're overweight because you're overeating. Right? But when that love comes in, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Looks don't matter when you got love. Amen. Hmm? Receive this word today. Quit focusing on your evil desires and focus on the lack of love that you have for God. The dissatisfaction you have with life. If you'll do that, this week will be... Woo! It'll be higher than higher. It'll just be blissful. Huh? Somehow or another, you feel like you're, you're walking above the clouds. Huh? You don't feel like you're better than everybody else, but you just feel like, hmm. Ah, love, 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 love. Have a beautiful week.